What? I don't know, bro. Fuck it. <laughs> oh my god. So we are here talking about Barbados. Welcome to the Matt Violinist Podcast. I am Matt Violinist, as some of you may know. I'm here with a very special friend of mine, a very special guest, Raymond, aka Remundo. Mateo, what's good, bro? <laughs> chilling, How you? I'm chilling, you know, I'm a little um exhausted, tired. Yeah, you don't ever sleep. I'm finding it harder and harder to find sleep, find time to sleep. Specifically, it's really difficult for me to rest. Yeah, but sleep will find you eventually. You don't want sleep to find you at the wrong moment. When is a wrong moment to find sleep? Uh, behind the wheel, during an event, mid-intercourse. <laughs> what? Listen. Mid-intercourse. A. Listen, your body gonna shut down. It's gonna shut down on you. <laughs> so, <laughs> if that's the case, I need to go see a doctor. My shit shut down on me a few times during the course, nigga. Shit. <laughs> you gotta rest, bro. You gotta rest. That's a fact, man. So, what's good with you, man? How you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling all right. Feeling all right. Um, this is new to me. This light is like piercing into my soul, but it's all right. I mean, that's part of the setup. It's all good. I mean, at least it's making your beard glisten. Oh, that's that coconut oil. You're. Oh, that's just coconut oil. Oh, coconut oil. Um, don't give up the secrets. Don't give up the secrets. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm, that's gonna, it. Stop, I'm gonna stop right there. Stop right there. It's glistening though, shining. That shit is glistening though. I ain't Facts. gonna lie. Facts, man. Do I have to? Do I have to pause that? Should I pause that? That's not pause. <laughs> I don't think it's pause. All right, pause just in case. Just in case. Just in case. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yo, so before before we started the show, um, Raymond was actually imitating the way that I actually speak <laughs> when I'm under the influence. Now, for those who have been blessed with the opportunity to see me under the influence know that i can barely speak english at all <laughs> when i'm under the influence so there was one specific time we was in um we was in barbados and for some strange reason we was in um what fighty walk i think it was, was it fighty walk was it was it when you were uh on stage was it yeah i was on stage <laughs> he was on stage yes and he was like how did you get there and then we ran <laughs> <laughs> go ahead continue your part <laughs> I got on stage, you know, under the influence. We was vibing. Everything was cool. For some strange reason, I turned my back and there was this bright light in my face. They were doing interviews. Yes, exactly. And shouts to uh, Cash Photography. Uh, Kashanti? Kashanti. I ain't gonna put the full government out because she probably will clap me. But um, <laughs> yeah, she was on. She grabbed the mic and you know she was doing what she was doing, and she was talking her talk. And then you know I was there hyping them up, and then my boy Matt was right next to Cash. Cash <laughs> Matt then takes the mic from Cash. I'm like, all right, he's about to say his thing without consent. Without consent. And then these are the words that utter out his mouth. <laughs> In that order. Literally in that order. And mind you, like, Yo, the like, funny shit about it, I was probably just trying to say my name. Hi, how you doing? My name is Matt. Mind you, like, I'm thinking, like, all right, he's about to say something. It's loud. We're at the stage. Bass is bumping. So you got to speak clear. You must enunciate yourself. He enunciated, how many was it all? And then Cash smiled and said, Rrr? And then I'm like, two, three feet away. I'm like, what? And oh then, my god! And that was and that was it. From there, he was known as what's his name? I don't know his name. Who? The Thornberry. 
Um, I, don't, I forgot his name. The 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 wild the wild one. I forgot his name. I think he is the wild thornberry. Ah, then that. I was, don't know his name though, but well, whatever. Yeah, that was that was Matt Spirit Spirit Animal. No, but what's funny is I actually met you in Barbados. Really? Yeah, that's the first time I actually like really really met you. I heard about you like through like Jamal and Blackout, but Barbados was like when I first met you, and I was just like, who? First of all, you was mad tall. Like you're the tallest one amongst like the dwarves. Yeah, I'm six five. I mean. That's tall. <laughs> like, That's extra tall. I mean. And one thing I noticed about you is that you, at Friday Walk, that same fit, I figured out that you show your love and, and appreciation of people by smacking them in the face. In the face? Do you smack the shit out of people in the face? Like the people nah, that you fuck with? Pr- probably, probably like the, maybe on their back. Yeah. The back. Ah, actually, yeah, you're right. I do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Cause I had to stop doing that because... Uh, yeah, I got reprimanded for one time doing that. But uh, are you serious? Yeah, I got I got slapped back <laughs> twice twice as hard, and I wanted to fight, but I couldn't fight because <laughs> it's like my best friend. Why? So, <laughs> okay, you have to you have to explain to me what gives you the urge to smack people when you're under the influence. I love you. Let me just smack the shit out of you one time. <laughs> just possessed by the spirit. Yes, possessed by spirit. I I don't know. I, it's just you know, I don't know. You know when you in the zone, and then you guys, you know, you under the influence, and then you just like run up on your man's pause and just be like, "Yo, bro," and they be like, "Yo, bro," and you get that energy, you get amped up, right? And then I just slap him in the face. You know, you know the frat boys they be slapping each other in the face. We're not a frat, bro. I know, but it's kind of like that kind of environment. You know when the but I stopped doing it, you know. I don't want to fight nobody, so. You smack the shit out of some people. Like, and I've watched you do it. I'm just like, oh, nah. Raymond is out here bugging. It's out of love, though. It's out of love, right? It's out of love, it's out of love. Same love. shit that our parents be saying, right? They are our parents. And parents love. be lying, son. I swear <laughs> to God. They don't, they don't be beating your ass and smacking you and shit like that out of love. They fucking lying. I mean, it, it, yes, the, the outcome, you know, to make you who you are is out of love. But right then and there, they're just pissed off of whatever you did. Right. I don't think that... I think that you can discipline kids without beating their ass. Without corporal punishment? Um, without physical punishment. You can. But, when I, when it, I, but, but it has to be effective. It, it depends. It has to be effective. And I'm, I'm not here saying that like um, physical punishment is like out the question. I'm not saying that you should not beat your kids. I don't think that that should be the first resort. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it sometimes depends on the environment where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes like if Billy, Bobby, Sarah, Lakeisha, or I don't know, they they in the store or an environment where you know you can't take anything from them or put them in the corner or something like that. And, you know, they're acting up. You know, maybe like you give them that look. They ain't catching that look. Or like a little, little pinch, a little quick pow. Air pull. Backside. You know, a little air pull. Something something slight that's not, you know, like, oh, my God, call ACS type of shit. I remember one time um, I actually got into a lot of trouble in, in um, elementary school because my mom worked in the same school that I went to, that I was um, going to school at, uh, which was the fucking worst. Yeah. 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 It was the fucking worst because obviously, I mean, for those who don't know, I went to um, elementary school in the Bronx, PS65. So, you wasn't really learning much. It was just like a huge babysitting center. They're just trying to manage personalities and maybe 
on one day you might get some instruction out. Yeah. So um, there was one time like I just had mad bad gas. Like I was farting <laughs> up a storm. But it was them joints that like they were coming frequently and them joints stunk. Like it, it, it could kill flies if it could. Damn. Yeah, it was and bad. Flies are attracted to the shit too. Yeah. That's <laughs> it will knock them the fuck out. That's crazy. Right. So I purposely went to the corner of the room to go fart. So I know it was going to be some killer shit. <laughs> right? I went to the corner of the room. My teacher walked over mad fast. And he was trying to tell me something. And he walked right into it. And then he was like super duper like flabbergasted. Like, what? <laughs> and it's just like, yo, that shit had me dying out laughing. Like laugh attack kind of laughing. <laughs> right? Yeah. So he got upset about that. And then he called my mom. So my mom came upstairs, and I was laughing still. And then I guess she was just upset. She, she didn't feel like dealing with it or nothing like that. And she pulled the shit out of my ear, and I was tight. I'm like, so you mean to tell me I really just got in trouble for farting? Hey, like I said, mom, mom couldn't have been upset that day. Who she, knows what she was going through? You probably, you probably pissed her off that week. You don't even know. That's not an excuse for me getting getting my ear pulled for farting. Listen, you, she probably, she, you probably pissed her off that week. She didn't do anything to you all week. She was letting it slide, let it slide, let it slide until she just said, nah, fuck it. And she ripped you a new one. I was ripping a new one in that classroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was wilding today, yo. <laughs> oh, my God, yo. Shit. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. That's, uh... I see you got some, some, some rings on, bro. Yeah, man. What that is, man? What that is? That's 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 part of your collection. Um, yeah. So, uh, one of them is actually this one here is uh, my trip to Tokyo, twenty sixteen. Um, I made. I, I love Japanese people, even if you don't love us all the time. But Japanese are cool. I've always been infatuated with Japanese culture. So I took a trip to Tokyo. Picked this up at a um, kind of like a consignment shop. Um pretty dope designer uh it's uh, mastermind japan uh this actually is my own ring yeah um i designed it this is my first sample that i designed th three three years ago um sterling silver onyx a lot of details in it what have you um a lot of meaning mm -hmm. um you know, we can get into that a little bit later, but... No, uh, we, I'm, we can actually jump into it now. What made you jump into, like, the jewelry business? Um, well... Got me into jewelry. Well, I'm... Let's start by I'm into fashion mm -hmm. altogether. Um, and, you know, my mother is kind of, like, where I got it. I get a lot of it from. So, growing up, my mom was always into shoes and bags. Uh, predominantly those two things. Like, shoes and bags were her thing. And she always had a lot of, like, uh, jewelry. So a mixture of, like, uh, fine jewelry and a lot of costume jewelry and stuff like that, too. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever we... You know, I was younger, we would go out to any kind of, you know, formal gathering. Um, you know, we wear our traditional uh, garments, our lace and things like that. And, you know, mom's always... I ain't gonna lie, mom's fly. Uh, yeah, you know, everyone toots, they won't, everyone toots their parents' horns like that, but, like, legit, like... A lot of people can't really fuck my mom's <laughs> but oh she got it like that yeah uh, it's it she's she's calmed down over the years but like back in those days like my mom was kind of known like in that scene for like being dressed in a certain way and things like that nigerian background nigerian background yeah so yeah growing up always looking at that i never really jumped into infinity of like 
or like clothes and fashion is my thing in a sense when I was really young but it was always a sense of like creative being creative creating things and stuff like that so just like when I was young I always used to draw and sketch up um, like I would trace out um, like uh, like Pokemon like I will get a piece of paper tracing paper trace the Pokemon glue it on cardboard cut it out and then cut out two Pokemon and like actually had like fake battles with the fucking cutouts and shit like that oh no I knocked the no, you good, you good. Yeah. Um, I'll knock it. I'll knock it. I'll like fight with it, um, and then kind of grew from that into like sketching my own comics and stuff like that, and sketching comics from middle school going into high school. Um, then I started getting into clothes in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, like first getting into sneakers and stuff like that because you know my mom wasn't really going out buying. I guess like hundred twenty, hundred forty dollars Jordans. Nobody's paying for it. You know, spend that kind that of money. That shit was a dub. That, that shit was, was crazy. Yeah. So like. Being that kid, you know, all these other kids, you know, I went to school, I went to middle school, junior high with like a bunch of uh, uh, Spanish kids. So a lot of Spanish, Caucasian kids, Asian kids. What so, borough? Huh? What borough did you go to school in? Um, Queens. So Queens? I went to IS-73 in Maspeth. Mm. So that was all like Caucasian, white, Asian. So, you know, the sneaker culture was like, yeah. it was in there. It was heavy at that time. And me, I'm just going to school in like my Air Force 2s. <laughs> and like I don't know like whatever I was wearing at the time I don't know nothing really crazy until like 7th grade I was like alright yeah now like alright ma don't buy me 3D's buy me sneakers like, buy me one of these I just buy me one good one so like I'll just get um my one good sneaker and then kind of build around that and that's why I kind of got into fashion and uh speeding up through high school like really get into fashion really following like streetwear culture and things like that being a sneaker head like i was a real real big um sb dunk head mm -hmm. uh, so i had a bunch of sneakers to collect they need to bring back the sb dunks by the way um they're back actually i mean they're they are back it's it's kind of like it's back but then again it's not back because if you're a real sneaker head a real dunk head like you still have your sneakers you still have like your dinosaur juniors and your fender basses and push heads from like way back mm -hmm. now it's just like Oh, you know, everyone was everyone's on the Jordan wave. Everyone's on all the you know the Adidas and stuff like that. And like Dunks is kind of slowly coming back. Travis Scott is really, really pushing the Dunk wave coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, so people are paying attention to Dunks again now because of that shift into it. So people are like, Yo, I've been have all these. Like I'm you not, guys are buying these new Jordans and Dunks. These new Dunks, like I want to get off the topic real quick. Yeah, I stopped collecting sneakers because I couldn't stand waiting online all night. Trying to get a pair of sneakers. Like, I'm a grown-ass man. What the fuck am I doing waiting on somebody's line trying Listen, to pay $175 for some kicks, bro? They did it. That was part That's part of the culture. That's part of it. That's part of the... Yo, I waited. I camped out X amount of hours, X days to get these sneakers. You didn't do it. I did it. I got it. And I got it. And I got it. Which so, makes these sneakers more valuable. That's than, more valuable. But this day and age, you have bots. You have, you know, all these, all these shit on the internet. They auto-buy it for you and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people still camp, but the resale culture is... That, that's like a whole nother topic you know, them, but resale culture is crazy like crazy like they just kill the essence of um, sneaker culture and stuff like that but um it's hype beast culture hype beast. now yeah, yeah I mean to that's, be honest. that's what it is it's hype so beast I just, I just got out of it the shit just got too expensive I'm, I got tired of waiting on lines I ain't have yeah. no connects like that I'm sure I probably would have had them now but I, I was way younger I had to be like 19 between 19 and like 21 yeah really doing it yeah, yeah, so yeah. now I just stick with my Stan Smith's Converse yeah a lot Plus that's changed. Like fashion's a fashion's a whole another thing, man. It's a whole other thing. But um yeah, a lot a lot has changed. A lot has changed over the years. Um 
But yeah, like I was like, get back to um with the whole me getting to jewelry. So being fashion is part of my thing, and then getting to college. Uh, when I first went to college, I first got to college. Um, my freshman year, I linked up with a few people who designed clothes and stuff like that, and I started uh, designing clothes with them. Um, it was me and two other guys, and we started a uh, kind of started a brand. It's called Hieroglyphics, and it was like menswear, kind of like street avant-garde menswear infused with kind of like Egyptian. Theme. I don't know what avant-garde means. Avant-garde is it's kind of difficult. It's not a difficult concept. I right, never I mind. I don't know the exact definition, but um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's bad for me to say not no definition. I'm into fashion, but I know I know what it is exactly. Okay. If I start naming designers, you won't like like Comme des Garçons and um, say avant-garde is like uh, uh, Julius and. Um, you can say Rick Owens has, is fairly avant-garde too. Mm -hmm. Yoji Yamamoto, certain, certain is like his main line. Certain pieces are main line. Mm -hmm. um, he says avant-garde. Um, Christian Powell as well. Um, there's some other, there's other brands and stuff like that. Um, but um, yeah, that's what kind of was designing, and I kind of focused on the accessory portion mm -hmm. of it. Um, so, and then I used to go to like uh, Queen Center Mall. They would have these uh, you know, little pop-ups, and they have like little Buddhas and beads and stuff like that, and right. and stuff like that. So I used to buy those and like and wear them. I used to have like a super long red one, and people used to call me Okuma and shit. I had, like had it wrapped around the neck and everything, and um, <laughs> so I used to wear the bracelets and like the beads and stuff like that. So I got to a point where when I was designing with them and making a session, I'm like, yo, I'll make my own my own stuff. So I found this spot in the city with some material. I go to the material, buy my own stuff, make it, design it, do stuff like that. And then, like, after a year, year and a half of designing with them, we went our own ways. And I was kind of like, do I want to continue making clothing? Or do I kind of want to get a different field? Or, like, do I want to get into um, accessories? And then I started making... Do you remember... I mean, it was like a, a good wave, a good point where there's little colored beads that you iron and you melt together and you can make, like, stuff out of it. Go on. They call they call perler beads. Perler so, beads. Yeah, it was like a it was like big like a couple of years ago, for like a few years. So you can you have like a little pegboard about yay big, mm -hmm. and then you put like little like little color beads mm -hmm. in sequence. So like eight bit, like you know how eight bit like Super Mario eight bit and shit like that. Yeah. So like you put the color beads in the form that forms like Mario. Right. And then you will take uh, I think a piece of wax paper. Put it over the beads. Take an iron, iron it. The beads will melt and fuse together, and then create, um, create what uh, the image you're making. Got you. So I did that for like a semester. Um, you know, made a few bucks from it, and I was like, you know what? I want to get into doing something a little bit, you know, a little bit more. So I kind of focused on making beaded bracelets, a lot mm -hmm. of beaded bracelets and stuff like that. Just you know, stretch bracelets, making it, making it. And people were like, oh man, you know, should do something, do something. I was like, ah, you know, I'm just doing whatever. So. Out of school, um, towards like my last year, I was like, yeah, you know, let me do something about it. Let me let me kind of work into it. And the transformation from my mindset then to now, and like figuring out the direction I want to go with it, I had a lot of a lot of changes. Like, do I just want to focus on beads? It's just really good with beads and stuff like that. And like, it didn't have much um, 
meaning right. behind it. Didn't have much meaning behind it. It was just kind of like, oh, it looks cool, it looks nice, I wear it, you know, I'll make it, stuff like that. And um, eventually, like, four, four years ago, four or five years ago, I kind of had an idea of the direction we want to go, where, like, I want to create something off of my namesake and put myself into the brand, so that represents myself through the brand and through my jewelry. And I was like, you know what, let me elevate it to, like, introduce, like, so, uh, fine metals and things like that so silver and gold and stuff like mm-hmm. that and um, as I elevated it and I continued to learn more about my own culture my own heritage and stuff like that and you know I taught myself a lot you know based on just off my last name my heritage my culture what I want to put into the brand taught myself a lot of things and that reflected into my jewelry now and the whole premise of the brand and stuff like that so yeah that kind of Fast forward, you know, I taught myself um, drew design over the years um, when it comes to sketching, uh, specifications, mm-hmm. uh, materials, things like that. Um, I understand the process of the casting and, and molds and stuff like that. I don't do it myself by hand. I do work with somebody. Um, and it's actually God sent me, my friend, uh, a good boy named Winston. Shout out Winston. His dad is a, uh, he's a drew designer. Uh, well, he's a jeweler himself, and he's from Jamaica, mm-hmm. um, and he has 25 years of uh, jewelry experience. In, uh, so he's, like, pretty well-versed in so it. So he's pretty well-versed in the molding, the casting, you know, doing all that stuff, hand-making the work, um, hand-making jewelry and stuff like that. So um, he, and I realized, and Winston always tell me from high school, like, yo, bro, my dad's a jeweler, da 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 And a couple of years ago, him, I was like, oh, man, because when I wanted to start making stuff in silver and gold, I was like, man, where do I go? Like, who can I, you know, find a manufacturer in the city? But then it's like, you got to come correct with a lot of things. And I wasn't at that point yet. So, like, I need somewhere I can go where I can work on with somebody one-on-one mm-hmm. so I can learn as I'm going. And I ran to him, and then, you know, we've been, you know, creating pieces ever since then. So have you have you ran into, like, any challenges when it comes to, like, making the jewelry or selling the jewelry? Have, like, people, like, Taking taking you on pretty serious? Are people taking you serious as like a business owner and a businessman? Um, I believe, I believe people take. Hmm, that's a good question because I think people believe that I am serious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they take me me serious as a person that they know me. They take me serious about it, but they don't take me the business the the the, the validity of the business serious. Um, in a sense of maybe they don't they don't believe so much in the business because business is popping left and right like we create businesses like crazy everywhere right and you know this day and age is like the the era of the entrepreneur and which is nothing wrong with that you're in great more power to everybody who's doing their thing out there uh, but it's like everyone is doing it everyone is trying to do their own thing and make their own money and make their own dollar you mm-hmm. know and so to them, you know, people who really know me, like they know me, they understand. Um, and it, that also in combination with what I'm doing, it's, it's, it's fine jewelry. Fine jewelry is not like a t-shirt. It's not a hat or a sweater or a sweatshirt or a hoodie. Like uh, nothing against those brands or anything like that who, you know, create t-shirts and stuff like that. My jewelry is not easily accessible right away. It's not something you can wake up, oh, that looks cool. How much is that? All right, I'll, I'll buy it. I just like you see a T-shirt. Oh, my boy started a brand. Oh, that shirt is thirty five, thirty five dollars, forty dollars. Mm-hmm. All right, I can throw that and support and buy it. 
You get what I'm saying? And then the shirt, they can buy it, wear it once, and then that's it. They're buying it for the support, not buying because they really, really like the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, jewelry is a different avenue. Jewelry, fine jewelry is a different avenue because it's, it's a much higher price point. Um, you're, you're paying for a commodity, honestly, whether it's silver or gold. And it's something you invest in. It's a more an emotional, emotional, emotionally driven purchase. Mm-hmm. So it will look appeasing to the eye, but then when you see that price, you're like, damn. You have to understand what goes into the product. Yeah, I think piece. I think jewelry, unlike a lot of other clothing products, you have to like kind of invest in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's interesting that you said the whole thing about like you're emotionally attached to it, right. you know? Yeah. And honestly, like going go going into your jewelry, like I I went on your page and everything. What's cool about it is that I didn't catch gimmick vibes. Like it's not something that's just like oh I just want to create like a jewelry brand. So I'm just gonna like throw some cheap shit together and just put it out there, throw it up at a high price point and say it's a black business and you got to support it because it's a black business. It's right. like, nah, you've been, right. you put some time into this. You put some some effort, you put yeah. some money behind it. Yeah. Um, even com- coming down to the presentation as far as like how you um, push the brand and everything, I'm just like, oh, this is some, Raymond's on onto some good <laughs> shit, man. Um, yeah, I, because, you know, it, when you want to create something meaningful, you have to put, you know, time and effort and your soul into it. Mm-hmm. And in, in any any craft, in, in music, in entertainment, in podcasting, in clothing, anything, anything, cooking, whatever it is, if you really want it to be taken seriously, you really want it to be at a certain caliber, you have to put that into it. And, you know, it's it's very easy to make make jewelry cheap. So are there any like pet peeves of yours when it comes to other people who are into the jewelry business who may be starting up or trends that you're just like, I don't understand why this is so popular now or so expensive now? Or... Um, not, not really because, well, for one, there's not many people doing what I do. And I say people in the sense of my peers, uh, you know, a being an African African American man, or being a black person in America or here. Yeah, because you're an American. An American. That, that we, we won't get ruled. That's. I've never heard of the nation of African America. Here we go. Here, but being a being a black man in America, um, one of the things that we do most, like we try to try to be rapper, trying to play a sport, try to, uh, I don't know, start a clothing brand or whatever the case may be, you know. But when it comes to jewelry, this level of jewelry, very few, very, 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 very few. So for me to say that, oh, what was my pet peeve about brands coming up? There's not many brands coming up. There are some brands who do make lower end jewelry. I don't say lower end, more say more entry level jewelry, for, um, more easily accessible, who do utilize, you know, the culture in a sense. They utilize the black culture with their jewelry. So it's... I'll be honest, it's... I don't want to sound like... No, you can't. I mean... Yeah, but it's it's generic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the use of, you know, like, Egyptian culture as African. It is African, yes. It is. But but to, to say that, to make a piece or make jewelry, like, oh, you know, Cleop- a Cleopatra head or a, a Ra head or a Pharaoh head or, you know, the, the, the Ankh or... You know, some of those symbols that 
we well know that we that's well known mm-hmm. through Egyptian culture and hieroglyphs and stuff like that and say like this is Africa like that's it that's it that's all you need to know like, about that, it. that's all you need to know or jewelry that has a shape of the continent of Africa right like shit like that is like that shit's weak like to me that shit, that shit is whack and like Africa is a continent all the countries in Africa like there's I always thought over the later years I'm like how can how can brands who rep, who want to showcase Africa or represent Africa, whether it's clothing, a clothing brand, jewelry brand, things like that, only show like like Egypt, or only show like the safari, like mm-hmm. they show lions and and zebras and elephants, like oh this is Africa, like. And people don't understand how huge Africa really is. You, you do, people don't understand that geographically, like it's misrepresented on maps. It's that it's that size on maps, so everything can fit on one piece of paper. Bro. But geographically speaking, all the continents can fit inside of Africa. Bro. And that's insane. It's it's so crazy because like my honestly, I, I believe God willing, like my brand can take can really last and go beyond my life here and on this earth because a lot of my pieces now like is a centered in nigeria and let's narrow it down centered more around igbo mm-hmm. with some yoruba influences right there are four major tribes in nigeria is yoruba igbo hausa um and uh, benin those are like the four massive i haven't touched benin i haven't touched hausa mm-hmm. culture i barely just started scraping the surface of uh igbo and then Yoruba is just like something I'm touching into. And that's just like some of the pieces I've created now and what I have now. So imagine just getting into. Keep talking about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so imagine just getting into, you know, more. Yeah, I got it. I mean, do your thing, man. <laughs> yeah. So imagine just getting into more like deeper into each of those like tribes mm-hmm. alone like that can that can go on for like months years right it's not this broad stroke well, of just like that's a broad stroke like oh this is one thing everywhere like i have i have sketches and ideas of working on things of uh, morocco and kenya and of course dabbling egypt but egypt in a different light like not just focused on you know what's known and stuff like that um Ghana and, and uh, Senegal and you know Mali like I have all these references that I one day want to tackle and approach because Africa is just rich in history and culture like every like every country has so much culture and why can't you draw inspiration from that why can't you pick a country that's not well known like go to Senegal go to Nairobi go to I don't know it, it, there's so many places you can go and learn about their history learn about the culture mm-hmm. learn about their arts you can pull some arts and create beautiful things from it and that that bothers me like that was like this there's nothing like that and you, you know what's interesting too like and i feel like that's the important the important part about entrepreneurs or musicians or anything if there's a hole in the market instead of saying why don't they shed light on that why don't you just do it right if you're already into it you're already interested in it just do it yeah and if it's just like you're speaking so much on it. You're pretty well versed on it enough to do a good job of it, not to just do some generic shit that's just gonna sell, make a quick buck, and then right. you're on to the next. Right. You know, right? That's some that's some dope shit though. That's some really cool shit. 
trying, man. You're not trying? Yo, <laughs> I always tell people, stop saying that you're trying because trying. you either well, do or you don't. Well, yeah, I, I'm doing it. You're I'm definitely doing it. doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. So, um, yeah, I'm de definitely doing it. And, I, and like I said, I understand, especially my immediate peers, is not something that's easily accessible to everybody that can just jump in and grab something. But I've had, I've had a few pieces sold and I have a few people and I have a bunch of people who appreciate the brand and understand the direction I'm going mm -hmm. and um, you know it's just like a matter of time for them where they reach a point where they can afford it and things like that but also just elevating my brand to where that like hey guys like you don't have to go to this brand or that brand or this brand and flaunt it I mean you can if you want to but there's also a brand that does this that you can actually identify with like those jewelry you're getting yeah like it's something you emotionally enjoy you purchase that ring that earring that necklace that bracelet that looks nice that's in x material but then you have something that means this and you enjoy it right and you like the way it looks and all this stuff but you can identify with it as well so so are, are they i mean are you supposed to even talk about this are there any like particular ways that you decided to brand you know your products like did you put it on any like celebrities or big time faces or anything or um as of right now uh no big time celebrities like that i I do want to, there's certain celebrities that I do want to, uh, you know, have them wearing my stuff. Like, I don't want also, it's, it's so funny, like, I don't want my brand to be the next hot thing before it actually stable, uh, solidifies itself. It, and what I mean by that is there are brands who rise to the top and they hit a high point and it's like, man, everybody will because... Rihanna was wearing it, Jay-Z's wearing it, Kanye or uh, Idris Alba or, you know, any of these celebrities and stuff like that wearing it. And then it's like, it, it, it shoots up so high, but you have to remember, like, the celebrities are the ones who put on the map for you. So if your celebrities are not wearing it anymore, it's like, okay, is it still hot? Like, the, 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 the validity of the brand is merited by who's wearing it and who's who and things like that. Mm-hmm. I want my brand to be solidified, solid, to have a solid folk cult, a cult following, pretty much who is going to be like, I don't care if so-and-so wears it. I like it. It's I high like quality it. shit. That's how I'm, I'm going to buy it. That's how I'm going to wear it. If so-and-so wears it, like, oh, took them long enough to get on it. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I've been buying this person's stuff. So you want validity in the product amongst the people before it's a trend. You don't want the, val right. the validity to come Right. Because of the trend, because of tr exactly. Because trends die. Trends die. Trends die. Brand die. Makes sense. Big. One major example of reading up on. I'm not sure. You remember a brand called N New York? No, I'm not even gonna act like I. Do. <laughs> um, you you definitely seen it, a baby back in like 20. Oh man, remember Teza snapbacks? Yes. Yes. Uh, so that era, like around that time, mm -hmm. um. There was a brand who made, uh, they call Enyor, they made leather sweatpants. If you remember le the whole leather sweatpant wave some years ago. <laughs> do I remember the leather sweatpant wave? Yes. I do not remember anybody around me what? wearing leather sweatpants. Okay. So Enyor was a brand, American brand that uh, they, they designed the first like leather sweatpants. Like they were the originator of the, le the leather sweatpants. And... It was uh, these two guys, and they designed it. And basically, one of the homeboys was a designer. Well, you know, homeboy, he's a colleague. He came into one of the stores, and then 
he was like he's looking for stuff to style Kanye with mm -hmm. and they picked up the one leather sweatpants gave it to Kanye Kanye is like yo I want that so Kanye wore it in um, the um, he wore it on his uh, what was that music video with him and 2 chains, Big Booty all I want for my birthday yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So he wore he wore the sweatpants in there, the leather tank top in there. He wore the leather sweatpants in another music video. He wore leather sweatpants on his uh, tour when he's performed. So and then Two Chains was wearing it, Big Sean was wearing it, Pharrell's wearing it, Jay Z, Rihanna. So it just like it got massive. Mm -hmm. And because I told myself, I'm like, yo, where's N Nor? Like I haven't heard from them. So they tried to. It got space pretty much. It got so big so fast that they try to keep up with demand and stuff like that. And portray a certain life a certain a certain way that the brand is you no know, partying with the celebrities and stuff like that that they eventually had to really stop the brand they had to stop it like in 20 i think 2016 and they tried to uh, revive it again in 2018 but um it was with a different outlook because they were because that leather sweatpant wasn't really the focus of the brand that leather sweatpant was just part of a collection that they wanted to release right and then but, it just it just caught a lick it just caught a lick and it took over everything so mm -hmm. they had leather shirts leather sweatshirts leather tanks leather sweatpants and they just kind of built it around there and then a lot of logistics things happened and blah 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 and then basically died pretty much and i read i was like damn and that's is a gift and a curse you know what I'm saying like all these brands that these celebrities wear they're already solidified like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Prada, like, like none of these people were born when these brands was out. Mm -hmm. Like, all your favorite rappers or artists and stuff like that, they weren't even in existence where these brands was solidifying themselves. Or they were even already solidified. These fashion houses are super old. These, uh, like, Tiffany's and Cartier and Harry Winston, like, all these fine jewelry brands, they've been doing this shit for decades, if not hundreds of years. Like, over 100 years they've been doing it. So when they then know like oh what is high quality what is luxury what is fine they go look for them and then they wear it rather than us looking for them got you and i remember you asked me this this question on the way you um asked me well you was telling me about a question you asked somebody else what is luxury yeah so when, when i think about that matter of fact what do you think luxury is Cause that that's one of those that's one of those questions you can ask 10 different people you're gonna get 10 different answers yeah. Yeah. You know, um, luxury in a sense is uh, well, well, to me personally, I mean, there of course there's an actual definition for it, but luxury to me is a the highest, like the highest sense, or yeah, the highest sense of yourself, um, in in any facet. So, but I guess in a sense of jewelry or apparel or outwardness stuff like that, um, you want the best for yourself. Mm -hmm. And the best is going to be represented in what you, what you as a consumer, you know, wear, eat, consume, you know, things that you do, the lifestyle you want to live, you know, is luxurious, you know, is, is opulent, is, 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 a, is a certain caliber. Mm -hmm. So to, for something to be luxury, it, it, it has to give you that sense. It has to give you that sense. It, when you, when you obtain it, it kind of gives you that feeling, you know, that, that level of, you know, I'm the best version of myself. Not saying that whatever that is makes you that person. It's an extension. It's an extension. Correct. It's an extension. You know, whatever you do, you work your you work your ass off. You made it, you made it in life. This and this and that. I want to have a suit that is an extension of me doing that. Mm -hmm. I want to live in a certain house. It's an extension of that. Is it? You know, whatever the case may be. 
you know, maybe suits or watches or things is not everybody's thing, but certain certain things would be for you. Like it is gonna show in some form or fashion where you live, the type of house you have, whatever you eat, car you drive, watch, jewelry, clothing, things like that. So luxury is like the highest highest sense of yourself, putting in that level, it putting you at that level, of how you represent yourself. Now that makes me think too. Like, is there ever a such thing as luxury music? If it's the best version of yourself, can you consider something something to be luxury music or? Um, luxury music, in in the sense of you as an artist or for as a consumer. I'm just talking about generally. In generally, like, oh, I I know there's different levels to it. Like, can it be luxury music based on the person who created it? Is it luxury music based on the person who's listening and actually buying it? You know. As a as a creator, yeah, I mean, you, you should you should believe your stuff is luxury music. I mean, you're making it, mm-hmm. you're making it, you're putting it out there, you're putting your heart, you're putting your soul into it. You should believe that, then this is the best shit I'm putting out. So like this shit is luxury. What you're hearing is luxury to your ear. The 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 level of what luxury could be, you know, it could be subjective. You know, to somebody who only fucks with like drill music, you know, they could say Chief Keef and or like. Bobby Shmurda is like luxury music to them. You feel me? Mm-hmm. But somebody who, you know, who's a more a thinking person, you know, they can think that Common or Kendrick Lamar or, or Erica Badu is like luxury music to them. And they'll think that that drill shit is like, oh, that shit is, is trash and, and vice versa. Shit. I mean, if you ask me, I still think D. Cole is luxury music. Who? D. Cole. <laughs> and speaking of D. Cole. Yo. <laughs> You've never smoked me in a battle, by the way. Bro, listen. Yo, for those who don't know, right? Oh, shit. So, Raymond used to get light back in the day, right? So, you know, when I first met him, we used to always just joke around, start, like, we just started playing mad decode shit, so get started getting light. And then, you know, the talk had to come up that Raymond was smoked me in a battle, which he never did. And I told him to put his rent up in this battle, and he never put his money up. Listen, we did battle. We ain't battle. We 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 did have we had a little stint. You know now you know what I don't we, count. We had a stint at the um at that party in the city. You know what that, that, that don't night. count. Yo, Raymond had me drinking bleach water. I don't even know what that. <laughs> I don't even know what that concoction was made of. But that shit tasted like bleach water and it had me fried. Listen, so you we all had you it. can't expect me to we battle you under the influence it. of we bleach all, water. We all had it and we was lit. So and I bust a move, fried you. Niggas <laughs> ran. Niggas said, "Oh, niggas ran." <laughs> I, damn, I wish they caught that shit on camera because that shit was lit. I cooked him. You did not and cook then, me, bro. And then he was like, nah, we got one battle for real for him. I'm like, all right. So they come to his his block party barbecue shindig. He had, you know, they had the music going or whatever. He did his little thing. I did my little thing. And then, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but... You know, it, it ain't go down, nah, go nah, down. Now nah, you don't know. Now nah, you don't know what happened. You ain't cook me, though. You ain't do nothing to, do nah, okay. to cook me, bro. Right, so you want to call it how you want to call it? Is it one one? You can say that. I'm just saying because I ain't do nothing. It's one one. If you say it's one one, I ain't do nothing. You ain't beat me the last time. I fried. You ran off, bro. What you I talking not, about? I ran off because I was under the influence of bleach water. Here we go. I did the move. I jumped off the wall. Leg hop, bro. What you talking about? First You're like, one, yo. First of all, you like six twelve. You don't need to be jumping off a no. Thank you. Thank you. You gonna see a six five nigga jump off the wall, leg hopping, you be like, what? You done? And we drunk? Come on, bro. Cook. So well, yo, you what got was, fried. I did not get fried. You got fried. I did not. And then we was outside. Yeah, I ain't do much now. We was chilling. Alright, whatever you want. You got that? You got I that. bet. So game three. Alright, so it doesn't matter. Well, what, what's the stakes? Uh, Putting up your rent? Listen, this is on camera. Alright. We're we gonna, we gonna talk about this. Alright, Mo. I was like, yeah, you know, all right, Mo. 
We're gonna sign these contracts soon too. Sign contracts, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sign contracts. <laughs> oh my god, you ain't spoke to me though. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to make sure that it's very clear and understood. Bro, I cooked you. It's all right. I cooked, cooked. Can you explain what was in that bleach water that you gave me? It was, it was Ray nephew, and then it was some kind of like limeade, but it was kind of like some healthy shit, some healthy limeade. It was something. Shit. I know it had monk in it. it said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was sweetened with monk fruit. That's what it was. The Ross so is that monk, monk fruit, fruit kind of made it give it kind of like a, like a, I don't know what to call it, but it, it was interesting. It kind of had like an armpit aroma. You're with Dean. It wasn't an armpit aroma. It definitely was. It, 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 gave, it gives me like kind of like a similar aroma of like guava. Like just like raw guava juice. It smells it, it smells like an armpit. Not like a dirty, sweaty, musty armpit. But like an armpit that just has no deodorant on it. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like I'm just doing a little housework. Do a little housework. Wash your dishes. Take out your garbage. You go smell your armpit. That's what guava smells like to me. And that's what that monk, that monk fruit shit smelled like to me. That shit was this... Mm. It wasn't bad, bro. Everyone had it. Everyone was chilling. You was the only one, all right? So you set me up pretty much. You set me I, up for that battle then. I, Bro, I drank that's, it too. See, that's the only way that you could beat me, bro. I Pause. drank it too. What are you talking about? It don't matter. You know, you knew that I could not handle that drink. How did I know if you never had it? Because nobody drinks bleach water to get lit. <laughs> because you won't let this shit go. Because you won't admit that you got cooked. <laughs> I did not get cooked. All right, bro. All right, mo. What are you saying, man? Um, what are you saying, man? Anyway, where can going back to your jewelry, man? Where where can people find your stuff at? Uh, you can find it on my website, www.eggbowcollections. E G B O collections with an S. dot com. Um, follow me on Instagram as well. Well, my business page is eggbow. I think it's underscore. Hold on. Yeah, Eggbo underscore collections. It's my Instagram. Um, yeah, so you can take a look at the website, indulge in it. Um, have a lot of new content on the way. Uh, new jewelry is coming as well. But uh, yeah, that's where you can uh, take a look. This is new as well. New stuff, but it's kind of like a one of one little choker I got over here too. But yeah, it's dope shit. Any more shit you want to talk? Uh, I don't know, man. You tell me this, this, is, this is your joint, man. This is your joint. I mean, we can talk about whatever, man. You know, it's your, your shit, man. You know I mean, the pop smoke thing's still been fucking with me. That pop smoke shit crazy, son. You know what's crazy about this song? It's like we lost, we lost a handful of people, right. But then this pop smoke shit is like it hits different, and I'm trying to I've been trying to figure out why, like why it hits different, and I don't know if it's because it's an age thing or it's from New York, but I can't say it's an age thing because we lost Juice Squirrel when he was 21. It didn't hit as hard as this. The biggest issue was more, it's still tragic, but it, it's yeah, tragic. It's, yeah, it's but still the, different. But the the way more was affected was centered around like oh drug overdose and drug this drug that. And then same thing with Mac Miller. Mac Miller passed, and it was like, ah man, you know, help him out <clears throat> with mental mental health and you know things like this. And Mac Miller was kind of it was pretty it was a big thing too. Um, but the way this possible thing is like, you would think like Tupac died again, or like 
like Biggie died. I I I wouldn't push it that far. Listen, the way I've heard Pop Smoke music played over and over and over again, from Instagram feeds to Snapchat to in neighborhoods. Uh, to people on the radio, and then people are talking about it, and then the music keep playing, and then they had a freaking holo, they, they hologram, hologram the man in um in Paris France, in the yeah, party. Yeah. I'm like, what well, artist gets that? Up? Tupac had that. You feel me? Like, what kind, what kind of many artists get holograms? So there's after there's, there's actually two reasons why I won't say that it's like Tupac or Biggie dying, and I'm not saying that as less lesser than or greater than. One, we were children. That's number one. So we weren't like consciously aware of what was going on around that time. Well, Number two, social media was, some, was something completely different now than it is back then. Well, it didn't exist back then. <laughs> well, I've, I'm, to a certain degree. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like it's kind of hard to like really like measure that out for us. Yeah. So that's why I kind of just leave the Biggie thing as the Biggie thing. I leave the Tupac thing as the t- Tupac thing. Yeah. But I do agree with you. It, it it does feel weird. Something about that just doesn't sit right. Yeah. Yes, like his death can't be like it's just not just like Mac Miller's death was like it was settled. It had his fanfare, it had his thing. It's like okay, it's settled. Then Juice World, it was settled. Pop is like maybe because it's still kind of so still early. Maybe it's still going on. And it's close to home. It's close to home. Like I said, it's like it's close to home. It's very close to home. But it's like it's still kind of like it's kind of like a vibration that's still buzzing. Fifty Fifty says he's gonna complete his album. So mm-hmm. he's gonna album. So there's still like a lot of drive for him still even after his passing. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not saying like you know pop, I mean Biggie had that too with Diddy with with his albums that he released stuff like that and um, but you know with with pop is different. It's different. I don't know because it's a New York thing and how it's being dri- driven that way and things like that. But I don't know. His death is just a little bit a little bit different than than others in the culture right now. So were you following that story about um, Spike Lee and the Knicks recently? Um, about him uh, having to use a different entrance. Different entrance, yeah. Yeah, yeah they yeah, didn't yeah. Let, let him use the employee entrance. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, bro. They need to just nuke the entire Knicks organization <laughs> and start all over again, bro. It's, it's. And me, me, and my older brother was actually talking about this. Like, there should actually be like a James Dolan rule. If you own a team past a certain amount of years and you're like, like you're up below 500. You they the NBA should just step in and be like, yo, bro, you gotta sell the team. It's over. It's over. You're you're fucking up our money now. It's New York City, bro. Yeah. New York City should always be good. I mean, but New York City's always gonna have money. That that's that's the thing. It's always the amount of money that they're losing at the garden, yeah, says a lot of money we lost in the garden. But it's New York. Like, not many other how many other states has a team in the city that could pull what New York can pull? Out of all the teams in the league, like what, maybe five? Yeah, if that, in, in a that, nation, yeah. Five leagues, you know, in, in the entire nation. So it's like, all right, New York is, New York has been what, shit, man. The last time New York was pumping was mellow, if that, yeah, and when, before mellow was. And what's crazy is within the last, like, 20 plus years, they only made it out of the second round. Yeah. That's, yo, that is terrible. It is terrible, but it's still New York. You know what I'm saying? Like, New York, New York fans are so diehard. They're so diehard. Whether, whether their team is ass, but if they have a glimpse of hope of somebody that they can watch who plays really well, who can bring, like that's that's a that's a fan going to the game. They can go see somebody that they enjoy watching is good. They'll go and support. The lead, the the 
the team, team management is like, all right, as long as we can bring people in, if there's somebody for them to come in, we still doing all right. People still gonna come watch. Whether whether they're a freaking, you know, a, a under under thirty team, under thirty wins team, under twenty twenty wins team is like. As long as you're filling them seats or filling most of the seats, people are gonna go there. But you see, I, I feel I feel like the spend money. I feel like the organization has to be good as a basketball organization first. They should, yes. But and, and New, York, New York is not like that. Yeah, it's just like they, you're gonna get attendance, you're gonna get money regardless. The Garden is what is is, is the world is, is the most what, what's what, the world's what most famous the arena. World's most famous. And Max, it's, it's Max, famous for being famous. You can say that. Max Kellerman was was asking Spike Lee, "Are you gonna go back to like the Garden?" And then Spike Lee said, I'm not going back this year. And then Max Kellerman was just like, see, that's the problem. People like you need to stay away from the Knicks. They are cursed. They are literally hexed. Stay away. Bro, and it's just like, for them to treat you like that, bro, like, you, you've given, like, upwards of $10 million to the organization. Like, you're essentially, like, part of the recruiting team at one point. Yeah. And it's how they treat you. And you're going to go back next year, spend another 350 grand. The fuck it, yo. Yo, Knicks, Knicks is one thing, bro. Like, my dad's a diehard Knicks fan. Man, he he hasn't cared for the Knicks in like over uh, probably damn near a decade. I keep telling people if you want to live a happy life, just don't be a Knicks fan. <laughs> Your blood pressure will yeah, go yeah, down. Yeah. You'll be a lot less stressful. For facts, Cause you know niggas in New York, man. They they go hard. Like niggas like, yo, that's as my team. This is my block. This is this and that. So they have a team that's worth repping, they gonna rep the shit out of them. Yeah, there, there was a lot of pride yeah, behind yeah, being yeah, a Knicks yeah. fan. And I think yeah. that's that's a it's a New York thing. Yeah, it's a New York thing. So, super jaded, super prideful people. Yep. Super duper jaded though. Yep. But that's that's just what it is. That's what it is. It's not quite quite unfortunate. Yeah, it's not unfortunate, bro. I do this crazy. Yo, this is actually something that I want I want to pick your brain about too. I was actually having this conversation with my girl Lola and she it's kind of like, oh, how how Af- oh, African black men, right, always tend to uh, date white or date out, out of the race of, out of black, right? Um, Are we counting Spanish in that? Um, we, we, can, we, can say, we can say Spanish. Spanish, Asian, Caucasian. And it's not black, right? That's not like black. Mm-hmm. Culturally, not black. And, you know, for me personally, Yes, I I can agree. I can say that black men do move differently with against uh, move differently against black black women. I I can I can see that. Can How see specifically? That. I don't want you to paint a broad stroke here. No, I don't paint a broad stroke. Okay. Um, let's just compare the level of championing, you know, each other, right? comes to supporting them um, in the facets of either you know business career uh, whatever they're doing however um, morally and they're good there are plenty of good women good plenty of good black women and who married to black men and just support great but as the overall blank looking at it you get a lot more oh black men don't support black women the way black women support black men in multiple facets however it is right mm-hmm. and I see that I'm like okay um, I can understand that because I because I see I see a lot of I see plenty of good women hurt or betrayed by black men for reasons that are like frivolous like things are just like 
why? Okay. So I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, maybe black men, maybe black women put too much pressure on black men. How so? And I say that in a sense of, as a black, we're looking at America. I'm not saying any other country here in America, right? A black woman is, has this level of expectation for a black man. Which? Which is because of them being black. Like what, what, what are some of the, like, the, the general expectations? I, I would rather you speak from experience, but what are some of the, the generalized um, expectations that you speak of? I, mean, I can't speak from like, major experience because you know, my girl's black. So, but to, set, to seeing as how it's you know, portrayed in a sense, like being a black man, being a black woman, being black in America in general, mm-hmm. we're taught certain things. We're taught how to carry ourselves. We're taught how to... Uh, the color of our skin, the, like how it's viewed, the importance of it, um, you know, how to represent yourself, the things that we've gone through as being black in America, you know, through slavery and all these, all these things, right? And, you know, the black man at home and, you know, the black man being demasculated and, you know, all these things. And women are kind of taught to support the black man. They're they're raised to fight for the black man, support the black man, make sure the black man is good so then he can take care of you in case of you. They're taught all these things, right? Okay. Um, As a black man, maybe this generation or this how how it is, right? They kind of go to another race, right? Because they don't have, because that other race don't, doesn't have that expectation level. That a black woman has. As a black woman walking or walking around America, seeing another black man, automatically she's gonna think, okay, if you're attracted to her, automatically gonna think like, I like that black man. That black man should appreciate my skin, should appreciate his skin, should appreciate our blackness in America. All the shit that comes with the blackness, all all the things that we've been through, understand everything that being what being black is. Understand the, the, the struggles that a black woman goes through in America. All the things that they face as a black woman. To then for that black man to support that. To help her through that. Well, your, you know, origi- like, your original question was, why do, why do you think black men turn to other races? Yeah, because so that entice, so that black woman has all those expectations, like off rip in their... In their head already, right? Offer like that's already piled up there, right? A black man. Sometimes maybe they just they can't initially come up to that, you know, level of expectation. Okay, so why do black men step away from? But then they black they go to a Caucasian person, right? Okay, so first and foremost, I want to address this, and and this is something I've had I've had thoughts on this before. Mm-hmm. The whole rhetoric of you can't control who you love, I think that's absolute horseshit. You do control who you love because you tend to love the people who you surround yourself by the most. Right. It's a reflection of your values and what you care about and, you know, yeah. your potential future. Right. Do you know why I love black women? Because I'm always around them. I want to be around them. 
I've seen black women at their lowest and at their luxury points. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, luxury. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so that, that, see, see, there we go. Right. I, I like it. And you, you, know what's, you know what's funny, too? Um, speaking of, like, some of the luxury points of, of women... Like some of the highest points of me like seeing black women is when we went to any carnival that we went to. Miami, Barbados, mm-hmm. even even here in New York too. Yeah. It's just like, especially in, in, in Barbados, that opened my mind to like something completely different. I'm like, no way. Yeah. She's fire. You turn your head over there. She's fire. Yeah, oh my it's god. Everywhere. Yeah. All over the it's like yeah. literally some of the most beautiful black women that I've ever seen in my life. And then now in my head, it's just like, yo, if you don't like black women, you're, you're this. I mean, if you have a preference, you have a preference. Yeah, but you're bugging if you yeah, don't. That's, yeah, that's. You know what I'm saying? Like, see that, to, to and think. And people, I don't, I don't cut you off, but some people can misconstrue per- perception with, oh, you, you don't, like, you don't like, like, because they're black, like, oh, you're anti-black or, like, you're, you're not pro-black or, like, it, it's a preference. Like, it, it doesn't mean that I, I don't understand or appreciate, don't appreciate your blackness because. I'm not into that. Like, I'm not into black women or whatever. It's a preference. Like, I prefer, I don't know, Asian women. Or I prefer whatever. It's a preference. And, and you know, there, there are other stigmas, too. Like, um, what I have have seen and I've heard, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not just, like, guessing. Black women's attitudes are looked down upon. But then if you look at, like, a Spanish woman's attitude, it's, like, fetishized. Like oh my god, that shit is sexy. Okay, like she's spicy. And yeah. Like that and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I, I can. I, I mean, I don't think I've. I don't think I've heard that, but um, I, I can. I I've can literally heard black. I've literally heard black men and men period black. I would never date a black girl because they have attitude problems. But then that same same person would be like chasing down Spanish women. If you like Spanish women, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and these are people again. These are people that I know. I'm not making this up. These are people that I know. Mm-hmm said Spanish woman that or said non-black person right. that they're that they're dating right. has some of the most rude tendencies crazy attitude and if you ask me just all around just not a nice person does that mean that every Spanish person is not a nice person no but this person that I've came in contact with was yeah. was not so I, I think it has something to do for lack of better terms like the branding of black women black American women at that some of it okay. Okay, look. Some some of it, yes. They they they're 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 ghetto black women. They're ghetto Spanish women. They're ghetto white women. White women. They're there's this white trash. There's there's Asians and like that all that resides, right? This this is what I mean. Maybe this is what I was trying to what I was trying to get at like the 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 black man. That level of expectation is not reciprocated in any other race. That all that things that I named before that a black woman has the mind like has in her mind that she wants from a black man, a white woman is not gonna put that pressure on a black man. An Asian woman is not gonna put that pressure. The only pressures that those other races will put on a black man is to be just a good man. That's it. Nothing else. Being a good man is a challenging thing by itself. No, but I think being a good man is just subjective to who the person I mean, is. Whatever is good to them. You know what I'm saying? There's good, whatever. Whatever's good to them, right? Mm-hmm. But as a black woman, yeah, they'll want a good man, right? But when a good black man, that comes with all the expectations because you're black. A white woman, 
a black, Asian woman, a Spanish woman, maybe one of Spanish, Indian, they don't have that history that a black man and black woman has in America. They don't have it. So a black woman's expectation is going to expect for the black man to understand that. Have you ever dated? Outside, and, of, my, outside of my race? Yeah. That's purely a different race? No. I've always dated black women. Purely different? Black. What does purely different mean? I mean, like, like I've made, like I've dated black and Haitian, or black and like Spanish or whatever, like mix, but like black women, not Caucasian, Asian, Indian, you know, Bangladesh, whatever. You already know that that whole like identity shit is very confusing to me. <laughs> that shit is. Yeah, that's, I didn't. I didn't want it to like dive, but it was. I mean, that's that. We can get to that, but that's. That's what I was talking about with the whole black men. And like I said, like the, the, the pressures is different for a black man, for a black on black love versus black in a different race. Could black and white could be like, oh, you know, I, I think, they're I mixing think... and stuff like that. But other than that, as a pressure from a woman's standpoint on, or expectations, say pressure, pressure expectation. You see, and that, man. I, I don't want to speak for other people's, you know, walks of life or races or nationality nationalities whatever the fuck you want to call them um again just from speaking from experience i've have seen people like trash black women for reasons that i just can't really understand black men black men non-black men but they, they don't matter though I'm talking about black men like black men i've seen i've seen black, black men do it i've black, seen black, black men trash do it. black women yeah and and the person that i was talking about is a black man who you know, who was dogging out black women and mm -hmm. then fetishized Spanish women, yeah, yeah, their yeah. attitudes. Mm -hmm. And it's the same shit. The, the difference in his, uh, my assumption or thinking so, right? The difference could be that as a black man, okay, you know black women, right? Like, that's what you're familiar with. Your mom's a black woman. Your mom's a black woman. Like, that's, that's, that's what you know, right? And the things that you know, you know the good and you know the bad, right? You, you know the things that you can tolerate, you know, the things that you don't tolerate, you know, things that annoy you, things that don't annoy you. As a black man looking at a black woman that has a certain level of attitude, you're going to be like, I, 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 I don't want to fuck with that. Like, that's... Because you know that. You know that the blackness you know. Quote, unquote. You know the blackness, you know that, whatever, I don't want to deal with that. A Spanish woman or another woman or whatever, because in this case you said Latin, their attitude was kind of like, it's foreign. They're, they're, you can say attitude, attitude, like, yeah, but because it's a Spanish woman, they're, you, you, you may, they're, they're, they're... It's something that you're unfamiliar with. Exactly. You're not familiar with that, that attitude. And it's like a black woman attitude, you'd be like, oh, a black girl might, a black woman will complain to you, oh, you don't do this around the house, or why you look at her that way, or, uh, hey, whatever, you know, and then you, you, you're familiar with that, you know that, I'm like, I'm not trying to deal with that, that shit is, that shit is whack, that shit, yo, you have attitude, that shit get in my face, ah, but it, let it be a different race, both look, the black woman look fire, the other race look fire, they both look good, whatever it is, however, however you like a preference of a woman physically, boom, they look good, but her attitude is like, damn, like, you turning me on, like, because that, oh, that shit is spicy, oh, that, it looks a certain, it's, because that's not, that's not what you, it's not what you're used to. People seek things that that's unfamiliar to them. Like it, it's it's like an aphrodisiac. It's different to them. It's like oh yeah, that's that's different. I like that. I want, I want to gravitate to that. I want to grab it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm fight for that. They'll fight for that. Mm -hmm. They they'll like yo, I, nah, that's my shorty. I got 
shoot fire. I gotta, I gotta go get that. That's that's my this, this and that. But let your let your black woman do that. Like, yo, you, yo, you on my, yo, get off me, son. Like, you on my neck. Like, you, what are you like? I'm not trying to hear that. But you go fight for sure. Just treating you the same that way. And the idea too. What what blows mine too? Like the idea of that like. If your girl is not giving you an attitude, she doesn't love you. Or if there if there is no problems, yeah. or there is no dysfunction, your relationship is not real or it's not functional or it's not valid. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard it in my dumb. fucking life. It's, it's very dumb because but it, it comes from it comes from what we're taught at home, but what we see at home. May not be taught, but sometimes what we see at home. And also, who's telling you this? Like if 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 someone teaches you something at home, don't fault the person. Like, don't fault you as a person. That's what you're taught at home. It is what it is. It's for you to unlearn that. Mm-hmm. To, you know, go out in the world, unlearn that. You taught that at home? That's what it is. Your parents told you, mother, father, whoever, that's what you learn. But if you say that, oh, uh, somebody on Facebook.com or a Facebook or someone on Instagram says, oh, if love, if love is not like this, it ain't right. Who are you? Like, 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 who, who are you to say that love is this way or a relationship should be that way because someone tweeted it, someone put on an Instagram post that has 10, 15, 20,000 likes, and that like should be validating a lot of this stuff. A lot of, a lot of foolishness. A lot of foolishness. Oh, a post of about a relationship. Oh, love gotta be this way. It gotta be hard. Perfect, What's so example. stupid? Like love is literally just based on whatever those two people or more that's what agree upon. Yeah, that's re- that's really that's all it is. is. There, there is no prepackaged no statement for love. Yeah, there's there is no, no prepackaged for love. No, no. Love is. If you want to get technical? We can look up the actual definition. I don't give a damn about them technical definitions. Can, to be honest, you can actually look at that shit, bro. If you really want to look at that shit, but at the end, like you said, love at the end of the day is what you and other person agree agrees on. Like, whatever you have in your relationship is what you guys two are connected to, and that's what it is. Like, because your love, quote-unquote, is different from somebody else's love, quote-unquote, your love is not right. Because it's not, it doesn't reflect, doesn't reflect what, what we have. Mm-hmm. Or because a certain notion of love makes a lot of people happy. See, that that's also the thing, too. When, when a certain thing is works for the masses doesn't mean it'll work for you and it doesn't have to it doesn't, it doesn't have to and you shouldn't be chastised because it doesn't work for you or or you want it to be a certain a way for you you know there are people who find love and happiness in a polygamous relationship there are people who find love and happiness in a non-title relationship like they don't have to say their boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife so whatever case it be they find love in their companionship that's, how, that's just how it is some people can find love literally within themselves. They don't, they don't care to ever be with anybody. Or their cats. Or or their cats or their dogs. Like and people say like speaking of like doing their cat, their dog died. Like, oh, why are you so distraught? Like, oh they are they're, they're not human. It's love. I had a connection with it's it. It's a connection, it's a very deep and passionate connection with it could be a person, it could be a thing, it could be an animal. If you love that thing or whatever it is and it's gone, you're gonna be hurt. So I, I never look at I never judge anybody who loses a cat or a dog or a fish or anything whatever like you love it okay you love it mourn it go ahead that's it it, it is what it is but yeah it's man simple as that all right give me your twitters one more time let's get off of here man we've been on here for like an hour and a half oh shit that long yeah man told you damn it flies that's crazy I didn't realize that long 
Um, yeah, so my personal Instagram is Debonair Egbo. Debonair D-E-B-O-N-A-I-R-E-G-B-O. Debonair Egbo. And then, you know, my business account is Egbo underscore collections. And the website is EggboCollections.com. Um, yeah, I mean, this was cool. Matt, thank you for inviting me. This was dope. This is my first time, they said, in front of a camera. Um, I'm used to public speaking, but this is kind of like different. I mean, it was dope. I like it. I mean, like I said, regular it's easy. conversation. Yeah, it's, it's cool. easy. So appreciate you having me out here in the boonies. It ain't the boonies. <laughs> it ain't the boonies. And the boonies and shit, man. And yeah, that's that's what's up, man. I appreciate you coming out, man. Yes, sir. Anyway, Matt Violence Podcast, baby, you already know what it is. We out. Boom.